This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Wahtuhu la sharika lah. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. صلوات الله وسلامه عليه تسليما كثيرا. We continue alhamdulillah with the book that we started quite some time ago and that is the book the da'wah and the du'at da'wah with du'at the call and the callers. We all inshallah giving da'wah to something all of us are giving da'wah to something. So we have to know what our da'wah is about. So the sheikh that authored this book focused on putting together for us 40 hadith where the theme is dealing with the importance of the da'wah of al-Islam and also a hadith that deal with the characteristics of those who give da'wah, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should watch out for, what are some of the pitfalls and so forth and so on. And that is in tune with what the scholars of the class used to do when they used to write books, 40 hadith of al-Imam and Nawawi, 40 hadith of jihad, 40 hadith of nikah, getting married, 40 hadith of la ilaha illallah, the 40 hadith of this, 40 hadith of that. So we continue today, inshallah, with two hadith, two critical hadith. The first one is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas. May Allah be pleased with him and his father, the uncle of the Prophet and the cousin of the Nabi Both of them have prominent positions in this religion. Abdullah ibn Abbas said, doing the farewell pilgrimage, the Hajj al-Wida, the last Hajj of Rasulullah was at the end of his life. So everything that he said and that he did at the end of his life, it was important. Because he knew he was going to die soon. Allah gave him a number of indications, you're going to die soon. This is your last Ramadan. This is your last Ramadan. So Jibril is going to come to you two times every night in Ramadan in preparation to make sure that this Quran has been collected. So anytime you read a hadith, an incident where it happened at the end of his life is important. Everything is important, but now it's even more important. Allah asks the question in the Quran, Am kuntum shuhada'a idh hadra Ya'qub al-mawt, idh qalli banihi, ma ta'abuduna min ba'di? Qalu na'abudu ilahaka wa ilaha abaika Ibrahim wa Ismail wa Ishaq. Were you present? Were you present? Were you there? 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 When death came to Ibrahim, he was about to die. He was going to die. And he gathered up all of his sons, all of them, Beni Israel. And he asked them a question and he said to his sons, What are you people going to worship after I die? Because he doesn't want to die. And his kids, his children don't know what's going on. The father dies today, your father, my father, is di- he dies, and his kid doesn't know what's going on about Islam, because the father didn't teach him. So Ibrahim, one of the tremendous messages of the Quran and the religion of Islam, brought his kids together. I want to know, what are you going to worship after I die? They said, we're going to worship your God, your Ilah, Allah. We're going to worship your God and the God of your fathers. Ismail and Ishaq, he is only one God, and we are Muslims, and we bear witness to that. So before I die, inshallah, a man knows he's about to die. He's sick, he's old, he got a letter from the hospital, you about to check out, because you're on level five or whatever of cancer, may Allah protect us, you're checking out. He says, bring my sons, get my sons in here. The ones overseas, the one over, get them all here to Birmingham. Before he dies, he says, what are you going to worship before I die? And then they tell him the right answer. 
And then he asked him, take care of your youngest brother. Take care of your sisters. Take care of your mother. Take care of this. Pay my debt. Do this. Don't do that. Because he's about to check out. He's going to die. So it's serious. So at their farewell pilgrimage, a lot of things like that happened with the Prophet wasallam. This hadith is one of them. Ibn Abbas said that the Prophet said to the people, sallallahu alayhi wa when he was about to perform the Hajj during that time, Ya ayyuhal nas, inni qad taraktu fikum ma in i'tasamtum bihi, lan tadillu abada. Kitab Allahi wa sunnati. This book is the 40 hadith about the dawah. What are you calling to? And also those who are calling. He said, O oh people, I'm going to leave with you people two things. If you have itisam with these two things, itisam, you will never go astray. I'm leaving you the book of Allah and I'm leaving you my sunnah. This narration, this hadith has many narrations. They come with different colors and flavors, different narrators, but they're saying they're basically the same thing. One narration said that, Prophet Muhammad said to them, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it may be that the angel of death is about to come to take my life because he knew he was going to die. It may be that I'm about to answer the call of my Lord, going to call me back. Why? Because there's no human being that lives forever. So any and everybody who's given dawah to the community, telling them Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't die, you're lying. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is still here with us. You're lying. What kind of dawah is that? And what kind of call are you? He said, the angel of death, Allah, will send to me. It may be. I'm going to die. So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to leave you with two things. You will never go astray. As long as you hold on to them. The book of Allah, my sunnah. Ahi, nur ad-din. Listen. The book of Allah and my sunnah. You will never go astray if you hold on to these two things. There's something in Islam and Islam called Al-Mafhum Al-Mukhalif. Al-Mafhum Al-Mukhalif. It means the opposite understanding if you get, that you get from something like the hadith. Listen. Whoever Allah wants good for, He will teach him the religion. That's the hadith. If Allah wants khair for someone, he gives them understanding of the religion. So the opposite understanding of that is, if Allah doesn't want good for you, Allah leaves you ignorant and he won't teach you the religion. That's a sign Allah didn't want good for you. That's the mafhum mukhalif, the opposite understanding. So this hadith today, the Prophet says, وسلم, you will never go astray as long as you hold on to these things, ever. What's the mafhum and makhalif of that hadith? So he said, you'll never go astray if you hold on to it. The opposite understanding of that, if, if you don't hold on to it, you're going astray. So now the question, Palestine, Kashmir, Iraq, Syria, Birmingham, UK, America, what's going on? Are the Muslims astray or not astray? Simple question. Don't get mad at me. I won't get mad at you, it's just a question. It's like now, I'm asking you, is it Maghrib time now, or is it not Maghrib? Who's going to get mad at me and upset because I'm asking that question? So the question to our ummah is, are the people astray or are the people guided? We're going to answer that, inshallah, every week with these ahadith. Inshallah. So this hadith of the Prophet wasallam is a tremendous hadith because, again, is that the end of his life and all throughout his career as a Nabi and a Rasul he said the same thing the Quran and the Sunnah the Quran and the Sunnah he said that but now he's going to emphasize it in this particular hadith on this particular occasion Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so Ikhwani the Quran and the Sunnah are the two signposts for every Muslim there's no Muslim on the face of the earth who should not acknowledge the importance of the Quran and the Sunnah Every Muslim, how can you be a Muslim and you don't acknowledge the two of them? These are the two signposts, the main two signposts that identify us as Muslims, make us different from the Yahud, from the Nasara, from the Sikh, from the Hindus, 
from the agnostics. They don't go around saying we believe in the Quran and the Sunnah. Muslims are the only people who say that. Only the Muslims. Now the question may be put forth, are there people from our religion who reject these two signposts? I say, Allahumma naam. There are people, your relatives, people you know, people in this city of Birmingham, people who consider themselves Muslims who reject both of them or reject one of them. They reject it directly and some reject it indirectly. Like a group of people called the Qur'aniyun. They said, give us the Qur'an and only the Qur'an. Don't give us the Sunnah. Bukhari, Muslim, don't, don't give us that. Because you know those hadith, they are not the kalam of the Prophet ﷺ. The Qur'an is. And this hadith of Ibn Abbas, as I told you, has many narrations. One of the narrations said, Hold on, I'm going to leave you two things. If you, one is greater than the other. One is greater than the other, the two things that I'm leaving. The Qur'an is greater than the Sunnah. The Qur'an is greater than the Sunnah. If you read the Qur'an, Surah Al-Fatiha. If you pray behind the man, Surah, the Imam, Surah Al-Fatiha. You get rewards. I'm going to read the Sunnah. I don't get the same rewards. I can tell you the meaning of the Hadith. But the ayat, I have to tell you exactly how it was said. So he said, one is greater than the other. So the person uses this hadith to say, hey, you see how the hadith said, one is greater than the other? Oh, now you want to use the hadith now. Now you want to use it as a delil because it's for you. But they're not the same in terms of their power, in terms of their virtues. No, they both come from Allah. But the prophet said one is not like the other one. And one of the narrations he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, The Quran and the Sunnah, they won't separate from each other until Yom Al-Qiyamah. Till Yom Al-Qiyamah. So some people, they come and say, yes, just give us the Quran, that's it. So they clearly outright rejected the Sunnah, outright. And then there are those people who... They come from Iran and Iraq and places like that, the people of Tashayur, who say, listen, there's a Qur'an. Jibril was supposed to give the Qur'an to Ali, but he gave it to Prophet Muhammad. They don't think that's one of the things put those people outside of Islam. There is a Qur'an that they have called the Mus'haf of Fatima. The Qur'an of Fatima, special for them. You're talking about the Qur'an of Fatima, why we don't have it? Did you read the Qur'an of Fatima? Did you read the Qur'an of Fatima? Well, what are you talking about? So those people do it directly. And then the people who do it indirectly. Those people, for an example, as it relates to the Sunnah, they say, we don't take the Hadith al-Ahad, the singular Ahadith. For an example, so many things. These are the two signposts that identify the Muslim. So as it relates to the hadith that the imam or the sheikh brought, rahimullahu ta'ala, there's a very important issue and bring to your attention, especially those of you who are writing and those of you who are going to memorize. The hadith said, I have left you two authorities. You will never go astray as long as you have al-i'tisam, al-i'tisam. It comes from the word Asim, like a person, his name is Asim with an Ain. You know, Asim Hakim, the brother, the sheikh who gives talk, Asim. The word Ma'asum, to be infallible, mistakeless, comes from that word. Al-I'tisam means to hold on to something, to tenaciously hold on to something. Someone left you with an amana, and they traveled and said, hold on to this. You protect that thing with your life. You're not going to send someone, and you have someone's brand new car, and you say, here, take this. No, you're going to have al-i'tisam. You're going to bite on it with your molas. Why did we find these words coming to us? They came from the Quran, they came from the ahadith. A few words, like an example, at-tamassuk, at-tamassuk, like al-i'tisam. Like the word al-i'tiba, al-i'tiba. All of these words mean the same thing and same concept. Same thing and the same concept. 
the great scholar in Islam, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari. He has the most authentic book on the face of the earth in Hadith. There is a chapter in Sahih Al-Bukhari called the chapter of Al-Iqtisam Bil-Kitabi Wa-Sunnah. Al-Iqtisam, holding on to the Kitab and the Sunnah. This Hadith. And then he brings over 100 Hadith in that chapter. Telling you and you and you and you and you, you, me, telling the women, my daughters, telling you as a Muslim, hold on to the Kitab and the Sunnah. Over 100 Hadith in that one chapter. One of the great scholars of Islam, great scholar, he was from Spain, from Europe, Al-Imam Al-Shatabi, Al-Shatabi. He has a book called Kitab Al-Ihtisam, the book of Al-Ihtisam, and it is a refutation on innovation and the people of innovation. Now, I got to be honest and I have to be straight and tell you, the Brawi is not going to read Kitab Al-Ihtisam, he's not reading that book. The shayukh of the Brawi are not reading that book. The Obundis are not going to read that book. Sufis are not going to read that book. They're going to read that book. People of the Tashayyir are not going to read that book. Because it's against what their way of understanding Islam is upon. And I'm not saying that to throw people under the bus that will be divisive. It's the reality. It is a book that is calling students of knowledge and people of the Sunnah come and pay attention to following the Quran and the Sunnah correctly. So if a person is a person who his religion is hocus pocus, his religion is a religion, do what you want to do, understand what you want, apply how you want to apply, there are people like that. Even some of the people who claim, who claim a Sadafiyya, they don't read that book. Because if you read the book Kitab al-Iqtisam by Imam al-Shatibi, you wouldn't be coming up with these new ideas that you and your shayukh have that divide the ummah. Because you don't understand how we're supposed to look at these issues. So the point here and the emphasis here is the scholars of the past, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, Al-Imam Al-Shatibi, and others, and others, they use this word because of the concept that comes in this hadith right here, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you hold on to him and i'tisam, you will never, len, len, you will never go astray. But if you let these two sources go, these two signposts go, you're going astray. Now I'm sitting here, and this is our first daras. I see a lot of you are young brothers, millennials, millennials. And the culture of the millennials, because of the internet, social media, you young people think and believe in 2021, 1,400 and how many years after the hijrah? We're living in a time right now where everybody here believes, I have a right to speak. I mean something. Acknowledge me. I have a right to have an opinion. And this is what we're being raised on with this understanding. You have to listen to me, I have a right. But that's not our religion. That's not the religion of Islam. And you're going to see that inshallah as we deal with more things. But even in today's daros, some things that happen to show you that's not your, that's not our religion. You may feel that way and think that way and this society may support that because the people running the world, they want confusion. A shaitan is in charge of the situation right now. But as Muslims, I'm here to tell you, you have a point of view. As your father, my daughter, I have to say, do you want to marry that guy? You don't want to marry that guy? What happened is I ask questions, but you don't have an opinion about the religion. It's already been established. Don't come and say, well, I think, well, I think, not our deen, not our religion. So as it relates to this issue of Al-Iqtisam, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam, he used these words in many, many ahadith and in ayat is mentioned. Allah ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوْحِيَ إِلَيْكِ النَّكَ عَلَى الصِّرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ 
make istim sack. Hold on, ya Muhammad, to what has been revealed to you. Verily, you're from those people on the rightly guided path, the sirat that's mustaqim. So you remember that word. That's one of the words that should be in your Islamic vocabulary. Al-i'tisam. Al-i'tisam with a sad and not a seen. Now as it relates to the Qur'an, as it relates to the Qur'an, we're not going to use the sunnah as a delil. The Qur'an. The Qur'an supports this idea of the signpost. Too many ayat. Too many ayat. Asharat. From the ayat of the Qur'an. Not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ayat galore. Many, many, many. About these two signposts. Some of them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an to the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah commanded the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam radiyallahu anhunna wathkurna ma yutla alaykunna fi buyutikunna min ayatillahi walhikmati. You women, Aisha, you women who marry to him, remind the people and teach the people, the women and the men, Teach them about the ayat of Allah that you know and about the hikmah. Teach the people about the Qur'an and the sunnah. The sunnah in this ayat is al-hikmah. That's an ayat of the Qur'an telling the people, hold on to the Qur'an and the sunnah. Just like the hadith of Ibn Abbas, I brought you two things, you won't go astray. The Qur'an and the sunnah. And this ayat tells the wives of the Prophet, okay, you were with him, in the privacy of your homes. How are the people going to know about what he did? You women are going to teach him about the ayat. Like Aisha said. May Allah be pleased with her. She said that the Prophet ﷺ was never in the home of any of his wives when the revelation of the Quran came down except in my house. So we learned about that from Aisha. How would we know that? Because she told the people. Jibril never came to the home of any other woman of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ with revelation while those women were there. Never happened. It always happened only in the house of Aisha. It was a proof of her virtues. She said, one time I was in the bed and Jibril came and before coming in he made a sit down, asked for permission to come in. Rasulullah said, cover up. And she covered up. And Jibril came and said, give us salams from the door. How do you know that? But you know that from Aisha. Another ayat, command. Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, اتبعوا ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم ولا تتبعوا من دونه أولياء قليلا ما تذكرون You people have to follow what has been revealed to you from your Lord. And don't follow the awliya. Don't follow men who you think are from the awliya of Allah. They may be, they may not be, but they're not the signposts. That sheikh is not the signpost. Al-Imam Ahmed, Al-Imam Malik, they're not the signposts. It's the Quran and the Sunnah. The Quran was revealed before they even came. They have the responsibility to learn the Quran and the Sunnah. The Qur'an the Sunnah is going to make all of those imams. It's going to weigh them and judge them. They're not the signposts. So follow what was revealed to you from your Lord. What was revealed? The Qur'an and the Sunnah. The Qur'an and the Sunnah was revealed. It's what you have to follow. And the last ayat, and there are many, there are many. That ayat we mentioned about an istim sack is from those ayats. فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوْحِيَ إِلَيْكْ Follow what was revealed and hold on to it. Al-Istimsat. Hold on. What was revealed to you? What was revealed to Prophet Muhammad? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Quran and the Sunnah. Like the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas is clearly indicating. And as I mentioned, Ikhwani, in this point, there's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten ayats saying that. There are asharat of the ayat of the Quran. And then there are a lot of ahadith that tell us this. But we're not going to deal with the hadith. We're dealing with this concept of people who have the nerve and the audacity to say, look, just give me the Qur'an. Well, the Qur'an is telling you, follow what was revealed by Allah. 
So it's been established that the sunnah has been revealed by Allah. Allah Ta'ala mentioned ayat upon ayat about the sunnah being revelation. He said in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladhina aminu stajibu lillahi wal rasul idha da'akum mima yuhyikum. Oh you believe, follow what Allah and his messenger are calling you to and it will give you life. Okay, Allah is calling you to the Quran, that's the Quran and his messenger. What's his messenger calling you to? He's calling you to the sunnah as well. وَمَن Anybody who obeys the messenger, he has obeyed Allah. So the person who says, I only take the Qur'an, that's it. That's it. Okay. Then that means you are going to eat a tiger. You can eat a bear. You can eat a cat running around. You just catch the cat and eat him. Take him home and fry him and eat him. Because nowhere in the Qur'an does it say that that's haram. Nowhere. You can get an alligator, cut him up and eat him. All of those issues have been made haram in the Qur'an. If you're only taking the Qur'an, they've been made haram in the Sunnah. If you're only taking the Qur'an, that means, that means you can marry your auntie. You can marry your aunt, your father's sister. Or you can marry your mother's sister. Because the Qur'an didn't make that haram. There's a surah and an ayat about all of the women that we can't marry. But it doesn't mention the maternal aunt or the paternal aunt. It's not mentioned. So since you only take the Qur'an, you can do that. And how are you going to know when Laylatul Qadr is? And how are you going to know how to fast? It's just philosophy and karam fadiq. That's all. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam brought us these two signposts and there are two mini ayat of the Qur'an not the authentic sunnah Bukhari and Muslim and other than that two mini ayat from those ayat to show that the sunnah is revelation and you have to follow it is the mentioning of Allah Ta'ala وَمَا آتَاكُمَ الرَّسُولُ فَخُضُوا وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا whatever the messenger has given you people hold on to it and whatever he has prohibited you from, leave it. Whatever. Allah said in another ayat of the Quran, فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ If you have any differences of opinion in the religion, you and me, him and him, you have any differences, then refer your difference back to Allah, the Qur'an, and back to his messenger. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is in Medina, in his grave right now. So I have ikhtilaf with you. And there's no delil in the Qur'an. No delil for the issue we have ikhtilaf in. You're saying, for an example, water. 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 There used to be a thing in Islam, if you have wudu, like you have wudu right now, and then you take water that had fire put on it, it was warmed up. If you use that, drink it, it breaks your wudu. You gotta go make wudu again. And then the ruling was abrogated. But that used to be the ruling in the beginning of Al-Islam. And then Allah abrogated it. You and I are different in that. Let's go refer it back to the Quran. You're not gonna find the issue in the Quran. So now we have to look Refer back to the messenger, sallallahu alaihi Does that mean we have to go all the way to Medina and go to his grave and then start talking to him in his grave and he's in the barzakh? Ya Rasulullah, my brother and I, Sharif, whose leg was messed up, but now he's moving around, alhamdulillah. We disagree about the water. And then we wait for an answer? How do you understand that ayat? The way you understand the ayat correctly is that you refer it back to Allah and you look for the issue in the Qur'an. And if you don't find it there, you look for that issue in the sunnah. And the sunnah will explain to you there was a time that if you drank this water and the water had been boiled, you had a break shovel door. 
and then it was abrogated. Now you have wudu, you can drink the water, no problem, even this high. You can drink tea, coffee, no problem. Someone using his brain, he said, why? I don't get it. Why? Why is it? It's not for you to ask that question, why? It's not for you. Why is it right now you're sitting here, you just pray Salat al-Maghrib. If someone brought us camel's meat and you ate camel's meat, it breaks your world up. Right now, today. Because that wasn't abrogated. You're going to say, I'm not going to accept it because I can't understand it. No. You're not a real Muslim. Something's wrong with you. From those ayat is what Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran. وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرِ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Ya Muhammad, we have Allah revealed to you the dhikr. The Quran is a dhikr. The best dhikr. And we reveal the dhikr to you so you can explain to the people what was revealed. It was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who taught us how to pray how to fast, how the woman should dress, how to perform hajj and umrah, how to get married. How many of you are married? How many are married here? Let me see hi. Don't be shy. Put your eye. Let me hand up. So the question now is, did you get married and your ceremony in the marriage was something you saw explained in the Quran? No, there are aspects of the nikah in the Quran. Your wife needs a wali, her father, her uncle, her brother. That's what she needs. You have to spend and pay a dowry. That's mentioned in the Quran. You have to have two witnesses for the nikah. Where is that in the Quran? Where is that in the Quran? You have to have two witnesses for the nikah. Where is that? So the one who says, I only take the Quran. Now we can get married without two witnesses. He says, I'm going to give you the money, and your younger brother is the wali. Yes, okay. But no witnesses. Their, 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 their relatives don't know about it because they only follow the Quran. No. No. You have to follow the book of Allah, and you have to follow the prophet who came to explain to them. Lastly, from the many ayat is the warning of Allah Ta'ala, and there are many ayat. فَلْيَحْذَلِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَن تُصِيبَهُمْ فِئْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Let all of those people beware. Muslims and non-Muslims. Let the people beware. And let them be warned that anyone who goes against the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his sunnah, what he said, whether it's the Quran or the Sunnah, anyone who goes against that, he's going to have a fitna. And he's going to get a grievous punishment. The fitna in this ayat is talking about you can become a kafir. You can leave the religion. If you start saying things like, I'm free. I don't have to follow the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah brought something in this religion, in this life, and a person say, I don't have to follow that. I don't agree with Rasulullah and that's it. Ah, Rasulullah, what he did here wasn't right. I have a problem with it. The fitna here is, you became a non-Muslim. You went outside of the religion because you can't say that. You have to 110% be ready to submit to what's been established in the Quran, whether you understand it or not. And the sunnah is authentic, whether you understand the wisdom or not. And that's the mark and the sign of the true believer. Whereas the hypocrite, he's the one who professes, I believe, I believe, I believe. But when the winds of adversity come, he says, now nah, I'm not taking that. I'm not getting up for salat. I'm not going to go do this. I don't accept this. And that's the fitna. As it relates to Ikhwani, the next hadith, and we are doing this next hadith because you can't do the hadith of Ibn Abbas without the elaboration. The hadith of Ibn Abbas and the Prophet was about to die, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told his companions and he told us by default, I have left you two sources, you'll never go astray as long as you hold on to them. The kitab and the sunnah. Okay.
How do we understand the kitab and the sunnah? Are the millennials allowed to understand from the Quran and the sunnah whatever they want? I'm a revert. Can I understand from the Quran and the sunnah however, whatever I want? Things that go against my culture as an African American man. I don't like that. I don't like this. The Prophet says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the authentic sunnah, many things. The Quran mentions many things that can be understood in multiple ways. It can be understood in many ways. He understands it in the Pakistani way. He understands it in the African way. He understands it in the young man way. He understands it in the ladies way. He understands it in the one who has special needs, his own way. This one is rich, understanding his own way. What kind of religion is that? That's Christianity, Ikhwani. The Christians come to the table, and this is not designed to throw them under the bus and to try to, no, but it's the reality. They say things like, God is a woman. Who, 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 who could stop me from saying, God is a woman? So some people take that position. God is gay. God is transsexual. Whatever you want to say, say it. And there's nothing in the religion that clearly stops people from doing that. Whereas in Islam, you don't get that liberty based upon the text of the Quran and Sunnah. You clearly know I don't have the liberty. Now people do it anyway because it's a sign of being arrogant. So people say what they want to say. But in reality, if a person is sincere and a person really sits down and he wants the truth, this issue is clear. Christianity is not clear. So you want to take a position, you want to take a position for or against something in Al-Islam. Whether you are a friend or a foe in terms of the issue that's on the table, the religion of Islam makes you be a person who is mutajarrat. You're not on their side, you're not on their side. You can clearly say, once you listen to the story, you look at it, you say, Palestinians are wrong. Because you got all the information, Palestinians are wrong. That's your, you can't be emotional. I heard the information, Palestinians are wrong. And the other people are correct. But with the Yehud and the Nasara, the religion is not like that. You take whatever position fits you. Whatever position. And there's nothing in the religion that rebukes you and says that that's not right. Islam is not like that. So now how do we understand the Quran and the Sunnah? We understand them by this hadith. The hadith of Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with them. Abu Huraira, he said that the people asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, ayu naz khair. Which of the people are the best? Who are the best people from this ummah? In al-Islam, if someone asks the Muslim, who are the best human beings that Allah ever created? The Muslim is going to say the prophets and the messengers. Jews, Christians, they, they say what they want to say. And I'm not saying that to put them under, I'm not saying, it's the reality. They can say whatever they want to say. But in Islam, the best people are the prophets and the messengers. So the companions knew that. Now they want to know who are the best people in our ummah. They say, Ya Rasulullah, who are the best people? He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ana walladhina ma'i. Me, I'm the best of the people in this ummah, and those who are with me, radiyallahu anhu. Me and my companions are the best people for this ummah. And then, after us, the next generation that came, the people who followed us, they're called the tabi'een. Those people who learned from the companions, they didn't meet Rasulullah The companions met Rasulullah. They're the students of Rasulullah. And they're the best of this ummah. And then those people who born after them, they met the companions. They met Abu Bakr and Umar Uthman and Ali and the rest of Those are called the tabi. They're the best of this ummah after my people were with me, this generation. And then after that generation, the third one, they're called the followers of the tabi'een.
Abu Huraira, after saying that hadith, he said, and then the Prophet refused to say anything else. He didn't mention any other group. He refused to say, and then the next generation. He mentioned the first 300 years of Al-Islam. He didn't include the fourth generation. Abu Huraira said he refused to mention anybody else. This is important that you understand the words of Abu Huraira. And then Ka'annu, it was as if he refused to say and to mention any other group. Why did he refuse? He refused to mention any other group, Ikhwani, because of the importance of the first three generations. The way they understood that Quran and the Sunnah is the way that you and I have to understand that Quran and Sunnah, especially the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now listen, if a person is existing as a Muslim and a person is claiming, and they say, Allahi, I follow the Quran and the Sunnah, but he doesn't understand it. The way those the companions, he's fooling himself. He's fooling himself. So if a person comes and he's cursing the companions, he's cursing Abu Bakr and Umar, and he's cursing Aisha, we say you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. If a person is coming and he says, look, I follow the Quran and the Sunnah, and he believes Prophet Muhammad didn't die, never died, he believes that the Prophet ﷺ is omnipresent everywhere at the same time. He believes in crazy things. Just whatever. We're going to say, you're fooling yourself. You're not being honest. Because Abu Bakr and and those companions didn't understand these things the way you're doing it. And you're doing it anyway. You're going to do it anyway. So what are the proofs that you have to understand the Quran and the Sunnah the way these companions understood from what has been mentioned is the Qur'an and the Qur'an is what Allah Ta'ala said. And there are asharat, not one, two, three, four, five, many ayat. وَمَنْ يُشَاكِكَ الرَّسُولِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْلَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُصْلِهِ جَهَنَّمْ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا any person, anyone, black, white, Muslim, non-Muslim, man, rich, poor, anyone who opposes the messenger, the Quran and the Sunnah, which were revealed to him, and they oppose the way of the believers, those people were with him. The ayah came down, this ayah, that ayah was revealed on Prophet Muhammad wasallam. The tabi'een were not there. So when that ayah came down, Allah is telling the whole world, anyone who opposes the messenger of Allah, he wants to go to Hajj, and you say no. The Prophet wasallam, he wants to do something for the religion, and you oppose him, you fight against him and his companion. The ayah said, anyone who opposes the messenger and the way of the believers, we're going to put him in the hellfire. That's going to be what we're going to do with him. And we're going to turn him to that which he wants, to follow his own desires. That's a clear ayah telling people, you have to follow the Quran, the Sunnah, and follow them the way those companions understood them and the way that they were upon them. They're the blueprint. This is one of the many ayat that scholars of Islam use that the companions understood the meaning of this ayat the way I'm telling you. It's not someone coming and they're trying to take an ayat out of context in order to get a political thing across on the people. No. Who's going to do something like that? Look at the other ayat of the Quran. And there are many. وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ وَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِ مِنْ تَحْتِ الْأَنْهَارِ the first, you okay, my man? The first vanguard of Al Islam, the Sabiqun and Awwalun, the first Muslims from the Muhajireen and the Ansar, the first Muslims, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, from the Muhajireen, Abu Hurara, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas, these people from the Ansar. Allah Ta'ala mentioned, whoever, those first Muslims, 
and those people who follow them in what's right and what's good, Allah be pleased with them. Allah is pleased with those companions and Allah is pleased with the people who follow those companions. So the tabi'in came, the students of the companions, and they learned from the companions. They came, they, 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 they took the religion. They didn't make up stuff because they had people from the companions who were saying to them, hey, follow us and don't introduce in the religion. And the tabi'in said, okay, Abdullah bin Mas'ud told the, tem- the, compa- the tabi'in, ittabi'u, follow, follow, and don't introduce in the religion. Abdullah bin Mas'ud told the tabi'in, hey, hey, what the companions found enough, you find it as enough. And they said, okay. So there are a number of ayat and many ahadith that prove this point. But I want to close it off here, inshallah, by sharing with you three examples of how the tabi'een understood why and how they have to follow the companions. Now listen to these authentic narrations. Listen to this, what happened. One of the greatest tabi'een is a man by the name of Saeed ibn al-Musayyib. He was a tremendous, he was a scholar who, although the companions are better than the tabi'een, but you'll find some tabi'een have more knowledge than some of the companions. Some tabi'een, they have more knowledge than some of the companions. It's like right now, many of you are looking to the audience, you were born, you were raised in Al-Islam. You have centuries of Al-Islam under your belt and behind you. There are reverts who just came into the religion who have more knowledge than you. They got more knowledge than you because they put more work in. And that's from the fadl of Allah. So it's not okay for you to walk around and say, and say to a revert, who are you? I was born a Muslim. He's been a Muslim for one year. And by the Lord of the Kaaba, he has more knowledge than the people who were born and raised in Islam. He was born in Islam, but he wasn't raised in Islam. His parents changed his religion. Now he came back to the religion. She's in Islam in less than a year. Less than a year. She came to the religion. She dressed properly. She prays five times a day. She knows how to pray. She knows how to fast. She wants to do ruqya. She doesn't go to raqi. She does it on herself. She doesn't believe in hocus pocus. And she's understanding the religion correctly. Whereas you, 30, 35, 40, 50 years in Islam, and you are all over the place. You're sitting there, the adhan goes off. She's here and you're here. The mu'adhan says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. She said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. She goes through the whole adhan. When the, when the mu'adhan comes to hayya la salat, she says, hayya la salat. La hawla wa la quwwata la bilah. You never heard that in your life. And then after the adhan is done, she makes a dua. You don't even know the dua. But when the mu'adhan comes to, Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah she says that. You do like this. You guys are laughing. So the question to the person who gets mad at the statement, where do you get this stuff from? Where you get that from? The person gets mad at you for asking a question. It's because she knows more than you in less than a year. You guys know I'm from Africa. I'm from West Africa. And I'm proud to be an African. But my people, many times, where they come from, Senegal, Gambia, Ghana, Nigeria, my people in West Africa, many of them don't know what what this religion is saying. Should I buy it? Should I not buy it? Should I invest? Should I not invest? Tell my son, go get me those chicken bones. Go get me those chicken bones. Every time I want to make a decision, I put them in the bag. I'll do like this. I throw them out and I make a decision. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to buy it. Based upon how the chicken bones came out and they're placed on the, on the ground. I go to a soothsayer and he's telling me this stuff. And that sister, who's only 19 years old, the boy is 15, 16-year-old revert. 
He's not going to do it. Is he a scholar? I didn't say that. Is he in Jannah? I didn't say that. Does that mean you're no good? I didn't say that. But because they learned their religion, they have a solid foundation. So listen to what happened. Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib from the scholars of the Tabi'een. Tabi'een, he learned from the companions. Someone from the Tabi'een asked him a question in the deen. What's your opinion about this issue? Sa'id ibn Musayyib, he answered and said in front of the people, this issue that you're asking me about, the companions themselves had ikhtilat. They didn't agree about it. A group of them said this, and a group of them said that. He says, since this is the situation, I don't have anything to say. I can't bring in a third thing. They had ikhtilat. So my position is going to either be with this side or this side. I can't come up with a third thing and enter it into the equation. It's not permissible. They have ikhtilaf about something. I can't bring a third form of ikhtilaf in. And he's from the tabi'in. Now the millennials come. The millennials come. And the people who have these big degrees from these illustrious universities. And they just make statements against what the companions had no ikhtilaf in it. There was no ikhtilaf. The companions understood this thing. That Ya'juj and Ma'juj were real. A group of the companions didn't say Ya'juj and Ma'juj, they are Russians. And the other says Ya'juj and Ma'juj are Chinese. And now you come and say Ya'juj and Ma'juj are Martians. It's not even something there's ikhtilaf on. Scholars believed. Those companions believed. What was Ya'juj and Ma'juj? The scholars had no ikhtilaf about a hadith that comes and there's only one companion that narrated that hadith. They didn't say, maybe we could take it, maybe. And then you come and you introduce a new issue and something they had ikhtilaf about or, or something they have an agreement on, you go against it. So that's a proof and an indication, Ikhwani, that authentic incident that Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib He's bigger than Imam al-Bukhari. He's bigger than the four Imams. He's bigger than the Imams you can think of. He's from the Tabi'een. You know how when you hear of Abu Bakr and Umar Uthman, they're the best of the companions? This man was on the upper echelon, the cream of the crop as it relates to the Tabi'een. And he said, look, they have ikhtilaf and something. I, I can't come and introduce a third. I'm either going to take this position or that position. Another example, listen to this. The great scholar of Hadith al-Imam Abu Dawood, al-Sajistani, the one who has the book Abu Dawood, Bukhari Muslim, and the Sunan of al-Imam Abu Dawood, tremendous scholar. One of his scholars and teachers was al-Imam Ahmed. So many examples. One of his teachers was Al-Imam Ahmed. He asked Al-Imam Ahmed a series of questions. And when he asked Al-Imam Ahmed this particular question, he said, Ya Imam Ahmed, what is Al-Ittiba'a? Al-Ittiba'a? Al-I'tisam? Al-Istimsaq? Al-Tamassuk? You know, in Asulul Sunnah, those of you who know Asulul Sunnah, Al-Imam Ahmed said, Asulul Sunnah indana Al-Tamassuk. The sunnah with us is a tamassuk. So the man asks, Al-Imam Ahmed, Abu Dawood, what is Al-Ittiba'a? What is Al-I'tisam? What is it? What's the meaning of it? Al-Imam Ahmed said, Al-Ittiba'a is for a man, a person. If something comes to him from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a hadith, something, and something comes to him from the companions, then if it's authentic, he stops there and he takes what came to him. And then, if something comes to him from the tabi'een, it didn't come from 
Rasulullah. There's an issue that came up that the Tabi'een had to deal with. There's nothing really in the Quran or the Sunnah dealing with that. And the companions didn't talk about it because it was the during the time of the Tabi'een. Al Imam Ahmed said, if that happens to a man during our time or wherever, then you could choose who you want to choose from the Tabi'een. If you want to choose that one, you choose his, but provided that the position is authentic. But if something came to you from the companions, you have to take that. You don't have a choice. The last example, Ikhwani, of what we want to share, the last one we close this out, inshallah, is what happened with Al-Imam Malik, a tremendous companion or a tremendous scholar in Al-Islam. Al-Imam Malik was asked a question, Ya Imam Malik, we have a question for you about a group of people who are with us. They're teaching, they're learning. And these people, they say that a hadith comes to them. The hadith says, so-and-so told me, that so-and-so told him, that so-and-so told him, that Umar ibn al-Khattab said this or said that or did this. And these same people say, and then another hadith comes to them, the same man. And the hadith says, so-and-so told me, that so-and-so told him, that so-and-so told him, that Ibrahim al-Nakhai said this or did that. Ibrahim al-Nakhai is from the Tabi'een. So look at the picture. There's a chain of narration. So-and-so said that, so-and-so said that, so that Umar ibn al-Khattab said this or this. He did this or this. And then there's another Dalil hadith. So-and-so told me that so-and-so said that so-and-so said that Ibrahim and Nakhi said this and it's opposite of what Umar said. And Imam Malik upon hearing that he asked a question. He said the thing that Umar said was it authentic and the chain of that is established he said it. They say yes and the people choose what Ibrahim and Nakhi said. Ibrahim and Nakhi is a big scholar in Islam. He was taught by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and others. And Imam Malik said, if this is their situation, that they choose someone like that over what Umar said, then yustatab ha'ula'i. Then you should, the leader of the Muslims should bring him and say to him, you better make toba from what you just did. Choosing Ibrahim al-Nakhi, a tabi'i, over Umar or any of the companions. You better make toba because something's wrong with your Islam. Something is wrong. You statab. Meaning, you may go to jail. You may get flogged. You may get kicked out of the city. So that the plague that you have, the disease that you have, the Muslims will be protected. Wallahi is better for a person to get corona than to understand the religion like that. That it's okay for you to take what Imam Abu Hanifa said. He's not on the level of Ibrahim al-Nakhi. For you to take what Imam Malik said. He ain't on the level of Ibrahim al-Nakhi. For you to say what Imam Ahmed and Imam al-Shafi said. They're not on the level of Ibrahim al-Nakhi. And yet, and yet, Imam Malik said, Hey, if this person, the chain of narration comes and it's authentic. Umar said that. And they choose him over him. This guy has to be brought forward. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Try to explain to him. It's not permissible. You have to follow what the companions of the Prophet said. Sallallahu alayhi wa Now, if what Ibrahim al-Nakhi said was correct, and it wasn't authentic what Umar said or did, or Umar said or did something that was incorrect, because that could happen. That has happened. Umar said what was incorrect. Radiallahu anhu, because he's a human being. And that's why we have to take the Qur'an... And the Sunnah first. And understand the Quran and the Sunnah the way Umar understood it. The way those companions understood it. Now if a companion comes and he understands the Quran or the Sunnah in the wrong way. And it's proven it's wrong. Then you don't have to follow that. You don't have to follow that. So some of the companions like the companion Abu Talha and Ansari. He said, if you get the snow, the snow, and you ate it while you're fasting, it doesn't break your fast. We don't follow him in that. If you eat snow, it breaks your fast. 
One of the companions came and he said, you have to visit. No, we don't have to fight. And there are some problems in this issue. The point is, signposts, kitab, sunnah, and the way you understand them is the way those companions did. If they agreed on something, you can't go against that. If they had ikhtilaf about something, you and I can't introduce a third opinion. So you be careful, you millennials, and continue to grow up in Al-Islam and be balanced and wholesome and good. Don't be one of these people who have, something's wrong with you. All right, Ikhwani, five minutes and that's it. The Adhan is in seven minutes. If you have any questions, inshallah, you can put your question forward. And as we move forward, inshallah, I want to say, don't think I'm against the millennials. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say to you, while we are in this class, you guys use social media better than me. You make sure you bring your phone and you fact check what people are saying when they're talking to you. Any and everybody. Don't be fanboys of anybody. So I'm sitting here, I'm telling you this ayah, this hadith. It doesn't sit right with you. You have your phone. Check it. Is the hadith authentic? Check it. Who's saying this? And not just with me. And that's because with the technology that is available to you, I'm not against millennials just to be against millennials, but I have to say to you, hey, 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 pump your brakes and slow down. You don't have a right. Three young brothers, young brothers, I have a right to make an You don't have a right to make an opinion in the religion like that. You don't have a right. The companions were sitting with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, all companions. All of them are in Jannah by the law of the Kaaba. All of the companions. Prophet Muhammad asked a simple question. He asked, he said, listen, the believer, you, 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 the believer is similar to a tree that's in the desert. What tree is that? What tree is the believer similar to? I'm going to ask you. Akhi, what's your name? Jibril. What tree is the Muslim similar to? Yeah, the shajara tree. Is the Muslim similar to the oak tree, the apple tree, the banana tree? Is he similar to the popcorn tree, the uh, um, watermelon tree? Are there popcorn trees or watermelon trees? What tree is the Muslim similar to? What tree resembles the Muslim? Which one? Where are you from, my man, Jabril? From Ghana. The cola tree. Is the believer similar to the cola tree? All right, we'll leave that one. Okay. What's your name, my man? Huh? Zaid. Saeed. What tree? All the trees in the dunya. The believer is like what tree? He doesn't know. Name for me three trees. You know any trees? Good job, good job. Oak tree, palm tree. Little man, little man. What's your name? What tree is the believer similar to? Okay, listen to the hadith. Rasulullah asks his companions this simple question. What tree is the believer similar to? The narrator of the hadith, Abdullah bin, Abdullah bin Umar, who was young, he said, I think it's the date palm tree, the nakhla. The nakhla. You know the dates, the dates. The Prophet said about that tree, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mathurul mu'min, mathurul nakhla. Ma akhasta minha shay'in nafa'atuka. The believer is similar to the date palm tree. Whatever you take from the date palm tree is going to benefit you. So if you sit under the tree and it's a hot day, the tree will benefit you with shade. If you cut the tree down, you can make furniture out of the tree. If you pull the dates, you eat the dates, plant the seed, the, 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 the green stuff. You can make your roof out of it. You can make stuff, saddle on the horse. The whole tree is used. You cut the wood, you put the wood in the fire. So the believer is a beneficial person. The believer is like the oak tree, he's strong. Some believers are like the cola tree, he's sour, bad attitude. Some are like pineapples, you got a big head, things like that. But the meaning of this hadith is that the believer 
is one who benefits. He benefits his mother, his father, his society. Listen, Abdullah ibn Umar was young. He said, when the Prophet asked that hadith, I thought it was the date palm tree. I, I would, but I saw the older people, Abu Bakr and Umar. They were quiet. And I was shy. I'm not going to speak in front of Abu Bakr and Umar. I looked at the elders and I was quiet. And Abdullah ibn Umar was from the scholars of the companions. But he was young and he had knowledge. But how was he going to put his self forward before his father? Before Abu Bakr? Before those big companions? That's a proof in our religion, Ikhwani. That's a proof in our religion, you young people, you millennials. You can't just come to the religion and kick open the door and say, listen to me. You have to say, let me calm down. And let me respect the people. That doesn't mean you can't be a scholar. That doesn't mean you don't have more knowledge. That doesn't mean that. But just don't come across as if, as if, you know, this millennial, this social media age, me, myself, and what I think. Okay, we're going to stop here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.